0: Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm Ari Mizel and Nick is in the air currently. So it's just me and our guest, Tony Wrighton. And Tony's been a presenter on Sky Sports since 2006. He is a personal development author and presenter. He's got three books out and... He's an expert on NLP, which is actually we've had a couple experts on before, but it's an, it's a topic that I always find really fascinating. So I'm excited to talk to you, and he's also the host of the
1: podcast Zestology. So Tony, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Ari, thank you for having me on. Big fan of your podcast, and uh, Nick's missing out. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. So, how did you get into NLP? Let's start with that. Yeah, it's always worth telling people that NLP is a very bad name to describe a set of skills that are quite effective. It's uh, neuro linguistic programming. And it's essentially a study of how people do things well and how people communicate. The reason that I got into it, well, I was actually a radio presenter when I first started looking into NLP. And I was just kind of doing it for myself and interested in kind of using the techniques for myself. But after a while, I realized there was a lot of language techniques, a lot of communication techniques involved in NLP. So I thought, well, I could apply these to my radio and just see if I could you know, get more listeners and perhaps you know, persuade them to listen for a bit longer and get them more engaged. And after a couple of months, the boss called me into his office and he sat down in his chair. And on this particular day, I'd, I'd used a lot of these kind of persuasion language skills on my show. And I thought, I've overdone it a bit here. And he sat back and he put his hands behind his head. And I thought, I'm in, I'm in trouble. And he said, I don't know what you've done, but your listening figures have gone through the roof. And at that point, I thought, well, that's, this is definitely working, you know. I ended up having more listeners than the breakfast shows on the drive time show, which, which never really happens in radio. And it was really, I think, because I'd been using, and also probably in quite a crude way, these NLP language skills. So that was how I first got into it. I do understand a lot of this, but you know, for people who are listening who don't, how does that look in a practical sense? You
0: know, how does that play out in your language, in your, your interactions?
1: Well, um, you know, firstly, one of the things they teach you in NLP is to use rich sensory language. So the three main senses that we use to experience the world are the visual sense, you know, seeing things, um, the auditory sense, hearing things, and then the kinesthetic sense, the touchy-feely sense, and, you know, how things feel. Rather than say, I went on a fantastic holiday, you might be telling a story, and you might, you know, talk about the the deep blue color of the sea, and the sound of the seagulls, and perhaps the temperature of the air on your skin. And immediately you're starting to kind of paint a picture using all these different senses. In my case, my radio listeners could relate to. And I think that's kind of pretty good kind of storytelling skills. And if you want someone to connect with what you're talking about, that's, you know, stuff that can be effective. There's also a whole load of language that can help you make you more persuasive and more effective communicator So um, I I could give you one of them if you want as well. Of course. I quite like asking questions that it's impossible to say no to. (laughs) Um, So you could say, would you like to come to the gig tomorrow night? And basically the answer is like yes or no. Um, Or you could say, how much would you like to come to the gig tomorrow night? You can't actually answer that. It's not grammatically correct to answer that question. Yes or no. So it's just kind of little tweaks, little language tweaks here and there to make yourself a little bit more persuasive so and I think that's an important point for people to understand
0: like it's not that it's per se that you're like influencing people to listen more it's that the way that you
1: are conveying your message is a richer experience for the listener yeah that, and actually like you know one of the, when people talk about NLP, one of the questions people ask is oh isn't that manipulative or is, is, is that manipulation to which the answer is all communication to a certain extent is manipulation. You know, if you're trying to persuade a seven-year-old to tidy their room, you will use the best communication skills in your armory to persuade them to go and tidy their room. And so if you can learn a better way to communicate with people, then why not use it? How natural is this for you? You know, like, do you have to actually think about this when you're doing it or is it just sort of second nature now? I've been doing it almost 15 years now, so it's pretty natural. But anything that isn't natural, I don't, I don't use it kind of consciously because there's nothing worse than a bad NLP <laughs> <laughs> the the, the meeting someone who you think, oh dear. They're trying to. You like me also believe in the future. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you like me are interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's an example of an embedded command where you put right. a smaller <laughs> sentence inside a bigger sentence. And and you like me is the famous one. Actually, there's much easier ways to use those if if you're interested. You can I'm use What I kind of like to call. Yeah, I like to call them softeners. These are especially good in emails actually where you can't you can't convey tone. But if you use might or perhaps in front of what essentially is an order or a suggestion, you're more likely to get one. So, you might say I wonder if you might start to practice these language skills now, which is it sounds a bit softer, yeah. and a little bit less of an order. Sounds weaker actually just practice the language skills now. Uh well, could be, I mean, it could be weaker, but you're not, you know, you're not giving a dog an order, so right. <laughs> sit. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you could say that these softeners are just kind of taking the edge of an order.
0: And when I say weaker, what I mean is like somebody who's like, well, I was kind of thinking maybe that you would like, you know, like it sounds like they're just like meandering, you know, almost. But I guess I, that makes
1: sense. that it does, it just eases the blow, I guess. I know what you mean. And you want people, and we admire decisiveness and commitment as a kind of personality trait. Simply ordering people to do something, it might seem rude. For instance, if you were to your half Ari, make me a cup of tea. They might well just say make it yourself. <laughs> but if you're to say, um, darling, I wonder if you might make me a cup of tea, it's just a nicer way to say it, but you've still put the order in exa- you've used exactly the same words with the softener at the front of the sentence. And how does
0: layout, like in your newscasting, when you're doing sportscasting, for instance, how do you, 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 I mean, you must be
1: really good at describing like a golf game. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, golf is one of the topics that I cover, actually. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you know, some of the nonverbal stuff has been helpful with my kind of day job, if you like, which is I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. For example, when I first joined, I'd worked in radio for kind of 10, 12 years or so, but I hadn't really done much TV. I was very nervous and a bit out of my depth and um one of the kind of non-verbal is plenty of body language involved and you know there's plenty of just studying what people do things well how people do things well and what works and i found that um simply applying some kind of fairly rudimentary body language skills really helped me to kind of hear more confident which was just when Everything was going wrong. and I didn't know what was happening next. And I had this voice talking in my ear, which I wasn't used to because I've been working in radio where that doesn't happen. Just holding myself very still and kind of sitting up straight and kind of just, just tilting my chin out a little bit and holding myself very still allowed me to appear confident, even if I wasn't feeling it. So, you know, still that happens now when things are going wrong, you'll see me sitting very still. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I'm sitting very still. So, when you're like talking to people about human performance and things like that, I don't even know if
0: you can do those really, but are you able to use that NLP skill to sort of empower people to,
1: uh, I guess, almost like gain some self awareness? Yeah. And actually, you know, what's been fun more recently is, you know, um, I wrote these three books on NLP, and then more recently, I've been presenting this podcast called Zestology. It's amazing how the two overlap in terms of studying how people do things well, but studying how we ourselves do things well as well. You know, I'm a huge fan. Do you do any tracking? Do you track any elements of your kind of performance or your well-being and try and work out what works? Yeah, absolutely. I do, uh, I do sleep tracking and heart rate variability
0: and uh, yeah, and some other fun stuff, but that's the main ones. Do you use sleep cycle? No, so I use the Aura Ring. Oh, yeah. Is... Oh, I, you had that guy on your show recently, didn't you? Yeah, it's the most advanced health tracker I've ever played with. It's
1: incredible. Now, the only thing about the, the Aura Ring, and I do want to get go one but it kind of makes you look like a bit of a gangster because it's quite a big ring on your finger isn't it it is quite big uh they're they're working on another version which will be smaller but uh i feel
0: like over the last you know nine years of my life doing a lot of biohacking stuff you can get away with a lot these days if you say it's a biohack (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) so yeah Yeah. uh, don't worry about it i'm just biohacking it's fine exactly or you know what i used to say all the time was i'm in training that's all i would say like if somebody wanted me to to, you know offer me a drink drink and i didn't want it i'm in training if i wanted you know if they wanted me to have a meeting i can't do that i'm in training
1: you know it's a good excuse i i like to track um things that i've done on a particular day and I, i get a bit geeky about it to be honest i use spreadsheets and there's a couple of apps i use as well and then i assign kind of subjective values to things that I can't absolutely say a truth. So I know that I've walked 2,142 steps today or whatever it might be. If you were to ask yourself to give yourself a percentage for how much productivity you had today out of 100, what would you give yourself? Now that, that's the question you might ask yourself. And then you can track that against, okay, so on the days that I meditate in the morning and I do a bit of exercise, my productivity is 6% higher. That's the kind of thing that's quite easy to do with certain apps out there now. Or if you're a geek like me, just use a spreadsheet. But when you start to track, then you actually work out what works. So that's it's like a, a practical application of NLP. So with any client or anyone that comes on my podcast, I think the first thing to look at is well, you know, you're an individual. What what, what works for person A might not work for person B. So what's you to live with more energy and be more productive?
0: For me it's really compartmentalizing basically in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is so I drop my kids off at school every morning and I pick them up from school every day. So I work day is basically between nine AM mm. and two thirty PM, which is somewhat compressed obviously compared to what others might have. And so I have to basically be able to turn it on really quick when I get to work. And then when I pick up the kids, I'm able to turn it off. Then I'll I'll yeah. usually do something else like later in the night. But I'm sort of very good at getting in a mode. You might call it a flow state or whatnot, but but having like a sort of artificially restrictive parameter i think really really helps me and and so not just for that you know you could say i only have a hundred dollars a week for this thing or or i only have an hour for this or uh, i only have this much space to do this
1: in. i I always find that that sort of brings out the inherent hustler in you and as i listening to your podcast you know you're talking about that kind of that hour where you're more productive than any other hour very inspiring actually and you know, because I tend to not necessarily be like that, and I also, and I think it's human nature. Um, you don't normally tackle the toughest thing, the thing that's going to make a real difference to your day on a to-do list. I think it's very easy to kind of tackle the low-lying fruit emails and get them done first. Suddenly, your potentially almost productive part of the day has has gone. So, um, so that's a frustration. But I've I've been encouraged kind of to do more of that by listening to you. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, I, I think that in general
0: we have. Because of the, uh, the honestly, because of like the abundant nature of the world that most of us live in, that especially those of us who are on podcasts, we have a lot of options. That's the truth. Like, we have just a lot of options, and, and human beings don't do well with a lot of options. It's it's very counterproductive in most cases. So I think that we need to remove those mm-hmm. in some cases and remove those uh, those almost not freedoms, not the right word, but really like we need to silo ourselves a little bit when we want to really get focused.
1: Well, you know, I mean, simplifying is. A huge theme of mine. sometimes it's easier than other times, but just you know when you manage to switch off all your distractions, switch off technology and as well, that's when the creativity kicks in, and when the best part of your day normally is as well. And certainly if you work in any kind of creative endeavor or any, any kind of industry where you're required to think and strategize, when you're able to switch off, that's when I find. And I guess using these NLP techniques, I've worked that out through the self-awareness that that's what starts to make a difference. How do you like NLP yourself? You know, like, are you like, give, like how do you get
0: yourself sort of in that mode or, or analyze what you're doing?
1: Well, you know, I mean, one of the big things about NLP is self-hypnosis. So ever since I started using NLP, I started to kind of, and you can call it what you like, you might call it meditation or trance or even prayer, but whatever you want, spending a few minutes each day switching off and doing very little and um if you want to kind of nlp yourself at the same time here's a little kind of trick for you before you go into a meditative state give yourself a little suggestion like let's say you're working on a project and you need an idea fast um ask yourself i'd like to remember during this little trance session the five times when i was most creative in my life and consider what it was about that creativity that works for me and then just go into a little trance state or a little meditation state. And um, I, mean, I know meditation is a theme that seems to come up quite often on your podcast. Mine too, as well, by the way. And there's a very good reason for it. And that is because it works. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's, very, it's so hard to explain just how to... You know, um, Dan Harris, have you read his book, uh, 10% Happier? Yes. Uh, that's a great book. And I would say that meditation just makes me 10% chiller. I don't know if "chill" is a word, but it makes me ten percent chiller. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I think that actually, I
0: think that a lot of high performers actually benefit from bringing themselves down a little bit rather than
1: trying to amp themselves up further. I mean, I, I certainly think that's the case for me. You know, because type A personalities have got too much going, and overstimulation is a thing. <laughs> so if you can just destimulate it a little bit, chill out a little bit, I think that's probably a good. Thing.
0: Yeah, so the last question that I always like to ask in these interviews, Tony, is what are your top three pieces
1: of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Yes. The first one is meditation. Obviously, we've been talking about it already. But just to stick a little bit more flesh on the bones, have you heard of something called 40 Years of Zen? Yeah, what Dave's saying, yeah. Yeah, I went and did that uh, a couple of months ago. You essentially get electrodes attached to your brain and you meditate for a week in a dark room. Um, not for the faint-hearted but it's a lot of fun and you literally get computer readouts of how your brain changes when you're on meditation and it does so you know i mean it was great to actually being someone who's a tracking geek and likes data it was great to actually have the data there to show me how my brain is more effective when i'm meditating so first one is definitely try and cultivate a, a, a regular meditative practice the second one I've just developed this thing where I switched my phone off and all technology off for at least a couple of hours a day. And I tracked this, and I found that when I did do that, I was more happier, but my energy levels were 20% higher. So I'd say definitely kind of switch off if if you can. And then the third one would be try and increase your self-awareness by tracking stuff. So spreadsheets or downloading apps. There's no perfect app. I'm actually building one at the moment, Ari, and I've been listening to some of your podcasts about outsourcing. And um, I know this is your kind of field, so um, I've got a feeling you're going to be my new best friend. Um, but um, Sleep Cycle, <laughs> My Simpsons, and Health Mapper all do a pretty good job in chat. Yeah, those are all, no, those are absolutely all really good ones. Sleep Cycle is great.
0: Um, incidentally, I don't yeah. know if you know this, but there's an app, I forget what it's actually called, but it tracks your sexual activity. And it's the same basically algorithm as Sleep Cycle. <laughs> So you put, you is put it, it the, really? Yeah, you put it at the foot of the bed, no way. Of the of the bed. yeah. It'll measure uh, you
1: know intensity and like duration. That is absolutely brilliant. You know, you you think you put in a really good performance and then you get you know forty two percent. Right.
0: Well, or you know, quite honestly, like you could find out that if you have uh, sex like three times a week or once a week, like how that affects your productivity or your mood, right? Mm.
1: Wow, that's cool. I did not know that. I'll be checking that out well awesome Uh, Tony thank you so much where can people find out more about you TonyWrighton.com and uh, podcast is Zestology and uh, available in in all the usual places and and listen Ari just to say I I, I love your podcast and thanks for having me. great to be on my pleasure thank you
0: Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.